1: hello and welcome back to road of his overtime on road of his radio my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at overtime ireland sean we are up and running we are 10 picks deep in the ffpc main event we wanted to squeeze one in before the start of the season part one came out on saturday this is part two i mentioned in a teaser at the end of the previous show but we are going to be picking soon so i might even hold this question to after that but we'll roll into it here we have Saquon Barkley, Kyle Pitts, Jalen Waddle, Rashad Bateman, Elijah Moore, Devontae Smith, Traylon Barks, Rashad Penny, Sky Moore, Romeo Dubes. So in that situation, we have three rookie wide receivers. We have four second-year wide receivers, if my maths are correct on that. We have a second-year tight end. Any concern with the overly high amount of youth we have here at this point, or do we just keep one of smashing, getting those young players on and, and seeing their, their value ascend as the season progresses?
2: no not at these prices one of the things with the rookies is that you do need to get good prices but we feel like we have done that and it's not necessarily prices related to adp it's prices in terms of how they fit in your build right so you're not trying to get like a three pick discount you're trying to make sure that you draft the player at a spot where they can outperform in a spot where you don't necessarily need them in the first couple of weeks from that perspective we look very very good i love the upside that it gives this roster overall we've waited at quarterback and tom brady aaron Rodgers, Derek carr all come back to us one of those players to then hopefully pair with a hybrid option in someone like justin fields would be a, a perfect way to build this team out come who do you like at wide receiver who do you like at running back is there a tight end selection do we reach for evan well we're not going to reach for evan ingram do we reach for gerald everett
1: we might reach here for gerald everett i think my question to you first is uh do we want to go and get gerald everett that's going to be the second pick most likely here i don't have a wide receiver standing specifically out to me i do think this is a a prime range to get a a quarterback and gerald everett basically the other option i'm interested in here is wendell robinson but i I think i I prefer everett um based on what we've done so far so we get Sean's guy and Gerald Everett. Um, the, the reason I did that, the other part of the discussion here, I think like, we have Tom Brady, Dak Prescott, and Aaron Rodgers all available to us. Matthew Stafford's there as well. Derek Carr's there as well. I feel like this is a real QB zone, Um, and I just think the upside of Rodgers and Brady, I think I, I know you like Derek Carr as well. I think I would lean towards one of those two. I think the upside probably goes towards Brady. I think you have Rodgers. You also have, if we're, if we're betting a little bit on dubs could be an interesting connection. But how are you feeling about the board? And then I feel quarterback's the right call here, but do you have something else in mind?
2: I think it has to be a quarterback. The other positions are so flat that the type of player we will get at the 13-14 turn will be similar to the type of player here. It might even be a situation where the player is better because you do get so locked into getting these small ADP values or not reaching yourself that sometimes you'll end up making a selection and realize, okay, well that's not even the top player I had on my board. That doesn't make sense. Now we're going to obviously try and stay away from that. I think that Julio Jones would have been an interesting selection to go with Tom Brady there. Call him Brady, multiple rounds below ADP. There are concerns about this Buccaneers offensive line this season and yet when you're hearing Chris Godwin getting close to 100% when you have Julio Jones you know he's not going to be mid career Julio Jones but he is such a star you can lose so much much off of what he was he still was efficient last season when he played the problem i think for the Titans is that he didn't play as much as they wanted and they may have been frustrated with some of his preparation it's odd to see the Rams move on from robert woods a better player than alan robinson but then equally sort of strange to see the titans move on from julio jones a better player than robert woods maybe maybe those things are true maybe they're not true we're obviously betting on burks with the titans if we had gone julio Tom Brady right there would have given us a little bit of that veteran depth, but maybe not the upside, the way that that team is going to be split. Julio's still one of my highest exposures, but I've only selected him once since he did sign with the Buccaneers, even though I think that's a pretty good landing spot for him.
1: Yeah, I've kind of stopped. We were drafting him a lot when we were hoping he would get signed. Um, I haven't really drafted him at all since that happened and the ADP jumped up, but still a a good chunk of, of Julio Jones on my rosters the um the the interesting thing is gonna be about the Buccaneers is like we're talking about week one how things look I think the Buccaneers will be fascinating the offensive line is gonna be a concern but Brady tends tried his career to get the ball out just so quick that maybe he can counteract that a little bit um my concern is around just Tom Brady himself he's he's been a little bit unusual I guess over the last uh, month or so so hopefully if he's out there he's 100% he's locked in um I think that's just a an amazing bargain to be getting there at the 1201 so you mentioned the possibility as well of pairing him up but I do think Everett is somebody that we find to be pretty integral to some of these rosters and to have him as a a secondary option in this team really it's him and Noah Fant that are the guys that we're kind of targeting when it comes to the tight end positions and so to to have one of them locked up and we did have to take a little bit of a reach but you mentioned how flat that zone is it's a kind of an area where I don't be surprised if Some of the players that go in that range slide all the way back to that next set of picks. I mentioned Wendell Robinson is potentially my favorite wide receiver in that area. He doesn't – you know, we would have been taking kind of a 20 ADP swing to to pick him up there. I do think we hopefully will have some nice options here when we get back to this next selection. And, Sean, who knows? This could even turn out to be a KJ Hamler team.
2: It could turn out to be a KJ Hamler team, and that would be – Fantastic. My KJ Hamler exposures have dropped a little bit recently because
1: Jerry Judy has him.
2: fallen into my lap so many times. And so you don't, you don't reach by as much. And he obviously has gotten more expensive. Come on, our theme for the shows during the draft here are what we expect to happen, what we want to see happen, the questions that we have going here into week one, Tampa Bay at Dallas. Both of those teams, huge offensive line concerns. The Cowboys maybe even more than the Buccaneers. We just watched a Thursday night matchup where two of the very best teams in football combined for a turnover fest. Is it possible that we will see a sack fest between two of the other best QBs in football? Will these guys also have turnovers? Now, a couple of the turnovers that we saw in bills rams came from the running backs they came from receivers having balls that were well thrown bounce off of their hands so not necessarily on the quarterbacks per se but the more that we have teams protecting players through the preseason which you have to do i mean you just really have almost no choice but these week one games can be i don't want to say ugly they're fun right but they can be all over the place and to have turnovers, to have sacks, to have you know pick six, strip six, all of those types of plays. I don't think any of that would be surprising.
1: It wouldn't be surprising. You mentioned you have to just wrap them up in cotton wool. You can't take that risk. You know we have less players heading into week one injured than we normally would have. In terms of the, there is obviously injuries, but the really, really elite element of you know the skill position players, and I think that's what teams have realized that they they just have to do. But you're you're spot on in terms of it could be a little bit ugly at times the timing of the routes might not just be there in terms of the connection with the quarterback and i think it's gonna be interesting to see i'm hoping i'm hoping that like i don't mind turnovers if it then leads to offensive points i don't want to see you know defenses just racking up uh returns for touchdowns but i think that game could be pretty fun the one thing with the nfl this year in week one they have really gone all out in terms of who is in these prime time slots that's cowboys buccaneers sunday night football then they also have russell wilson heading back to to Seattle or to play the Seattle Seahawks on Monday night football. So it's going to be a super fun weekend of, of games here. But I'm excited for that game. I'm I'm hoping it's pretty high scoring and I'm hoping that you know we haven't got CeeDee Lamb in this draft. We we actually bypassed on him to the Kyle Pitts, but I'm hoping that we see a real flash from him. We we kinda didn't really ever get to what we wanted to see last year from Lamb. Cooper's no longer there. He is the the prime target in this offense. So I'm really hoping we see a lot from him. I'm also interested when we look at what is happening in terms of the backfield usage between Tony Pollard and Zeke Elliott. The, the question around some of these backfields and how they're used, we've seen it on Thursday Night Football when all of a sudden Henderson's leading the way in terms of the opportunities out of that backfield. I don't think we're going to see that with the Dallas Cowboys, but... Similarly, with like the likes of Clyde Edwards-Lair this weekend, if we see some of these backfields where all of a sudden one of the guys is not getting the work that we're expecting, so if Elliott or Edwards-Lair is getting less touches and the, the guys behind him like a Tony Pollard or you know even, let's say, Ronald Jones might be inactive. Uh, people might know that by the time they listen to this, but depending on how it plays out, I think that'll be interesting. You touched on the previous show about Aaron uh, uh, Jones and A.J. Dillon. How does that shake out? Do we see a situation where... AJ Dillon gets 75% of the carries in this game, and you know, we're only looking then at Aaron Jones as a a third down back. It's going to be fascinating to see how all that plays out. So I'm really looking forward to these stories, but I think that Tom Brady, I would like to see him go out and I would like to see this offense kick off in a, a pretty nice style. And if we get Chris Godwin healthy, fully healthy by week four, week five, and we have Julio looking anywhere like what he's going to be, and then we get Mike Evans doing what Mike Evans does. I know we have some concerns around him, but as a red zone target, I'm sure he's still going to get that. He's just, he's never going to get the yards after the catch. Tom Brady should be in a good spot. I'm also interested with Gerald Everett, though, Sean. If we see, if we see a, you know, a 20 yard pass down the seam uh, to Gerald Everett, I think there'll be, there'll be some good freelance floating about in our stomach.
2: Yeah. I mean, we, we want to see Gerald Everett get out there and play one of the other backfields that will be extremely important to keep an eye on in week one, Miami Dolphins for about 20 days, Raheem Mostert found his way onto every single one of my rosters. He was on the zero RB candidates countdown. He finally has ticked up. There's finally been a reaction to the fact that he's in a committee that looks pretty good in this particular draft. Chase Edmonds goes at six Oh five Raheem Mostert goes at 10 Oh five. To the same drafter the same drafter now again that's probably not the way to play it but mostert's value ascending quickly he could be someone who has a 60 40 touch split in his favor instead of the other way around week one I, I still don't think that edmonds is likely to be the guy but that's one that could flip and not necessarily surprise everybody but similar to what we saw with henderson and acres or maybe it doesn't fit the narrative that we've drafted on most of the season i hope i hope that moster has a big game he seems like a really cool potential bounce back even at these higher prices
1: so sean we're back on the clock we we got nipped there i was uh i was trying to you know i was i didn't know if you could see it while we were talking or, or what but kj hamler went off the board. Jarrett McKinnon also went off the board before that. But yeah, Hamler was the player I was hoping would make it to us. So we are back up here. Jarvis Landry goes off the board. We are up, but Aaron Rodgers has made it back. We took Tom Brady at the last round, and since that, Dak Prescott is the only quarterback that's gone off the board in that time. Wendell Robinson, who I mentioned, has also gone. Julio Jones, who you touched on, has gone. So... We have an option here to get Aaron Rodgers or Justin Fields, and then after that, it's kind of Tyler Algiers there potentially as a running back, but then Noah Fant is probably my next preferred option. How do you I, – I, I can't believe Aaron Rodgers is here at this point, but do we have to take Rodgers? Do you want Fields? And and who is the second option we should look to take here?
2: Yeah, I mean, I've had Fields over Rodgers for most of the offseason. I think that Fields' final preseason game makes you at least more comfortable taking him even if it's not actually a strong signal of what's going to happen during the regular season. The emergence of Dobbs with the presence of Lazard and the potential emergence of Christian Watson at some point, with Aaron Rodgers' greatness, even though they probably will be one of these slow-paced, low-tempo teams at this price. I mean, you're talking again in the 13th round. So one of the things that we mentioned earlier about reaching for the receivers we wanted by ADP because they were still good values related to our board is that then you do have other picks that you get to make. We don't force a QB in there. And now what has happened is that Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers have both come back to us below ADP. That gives us a one-two punch where we can play the matchup, something that's going to be a little bit more important for the passing QBs as opposed to the hybrid QBs. I would be even comfortable... Taking both because once you're into the 14th round, again, I mean, these are very contingent types of picks. These are the types of picks where you do want to see what the players are going to do in week one. We have Brady Rogers fields. Perhaps we get a clear indication right away that either Brady or Rogers is in an offense that doesn't really work, doesn't work from a fantasy perspective. And maybe it would work at midseason, but not someone that you need to count on early in the season, maybe not a good fantasy option, even if the team continues to do okay. If Justin Fields goes out and throws for 300 yards, two touchdowns, rushes for 70 yards and a touchdown, and we passed on him for two aging pass-based options, there's at least a possibility that we would end up regretting that not a guarantee because field is one of those guys where maybe you'll have four or five games like that this season but otherwise he hurts you and it's going to be difficult to pick those games out before they happen
1: yeah i feel this way. i'm very high on justin fields but and by adp value i would much rather take fields than rogers but when they're both there on the clock at the same time i feel like rogers is probably the the way to play it in terms of having now brady and rogers and you know we can look through you know there's going to be games where like and i've mentioned this where i think the packers are going to be like such a comfortable uh performance from them from the defensive side that it's not going to need a lot from the offensive side but we are going to be able to see you know who these teams are playing and you can also almost like you know switch between brady and rogers depending on the week that we know that they're going to have to put up points to win those games um Yeah, I didn't think we were going to be a situation where we we had to make that decision, but we take Aaron Rodgers and we have taken Everett, who was our target previously, who we did take a little bit earlier than ADP. But in this zone, you just have to get your, your guys and then we take Noah Fant there, Sean. So at the moment now, we have Pitts, Fant and Everett. And I touched on this with you when we were talking. We talked a little bit about some of these players while making the picks, while also recording that has been cut out of portions of the show. But we talked about Uh, potentially starting more than one tight end with the wide receivers we have. And maybe you you also talked about the ability to have those players come along as the season comes along and not have the pressure on them in week one. But these are tight ends who, with the volume that they are expected to get, can be weekly starters if we need them as well. Was there anyone else for you in the mix outside of Fant? We touched on maybe Algier. uh, We didn't touch on Amir Abdullah, but he has gone since we made that pick. And and Justin Fields still hasn't gone.
2: Field still hasn't gone. We're currently in the early 15th. Jeff Wilson has just been selected. Amir Abdullah has an ADP specifically in the main event, specifically in the last couple of days of the 15-12. A risk that you can take. I do have him as a better pick than that. I think he would have been a good fit for this team. Gives you a little bit of that receiving Floor, and there's a threat of Brandon Bolden taking just a couple of catches a week, which would be enough, right? I mean, you need all of those receptions for the PPR format. If you're going to get six catches for 40 yards, I mean, you can't drop down to four and a half for 30. Then you're you're out of play. But I think that Abdullah is set to be a big piece of their offense. The Raiders will be interesting. To track in the first week, what is the role for Devonte Adams? Does he look like the same guy catching passes from Derek Carr? Can Zamir White? Is Zamir White even active? But then, does he get out there? Does he start to take that starting job away from Josh Jacobs right away? We've heard them talk about him being fourth on the depth chart both white and ronald jones are players that i'm drafting pretty frequently at the same time i do think there's a strong likelihood that one or both is inactive the first week i don't think that that kills them but zamir white goes in round 11 in this draft and so you have to find places where it makes sense to be able to stash a player it wouldn't necessarily at that particular price so a few other deep running back options isaiah spiller a very clear follower no longer gets that premium price with Sony Michelle in town. I think that you have to actually like it better now in some ways because you can get, you can stash, you can look, and you don't have to pay. Damian Williams, perhaps in a similar situation, being covered up by Tyler Algier, a player I have a lot of enthusiasm for. I still prefer Algier, but some interesting late options. Colin, we're back on the clock and Justin Fields makes it all the way through. You know, once we've used that other pick on Noah Fant and are locked into it, you can say, well, now just simply from a roster spot perspective, maybe feels as a fit, but I, I really do kind of want to see how he looks at week one.
1: Yeah, I, th- <laughs> I think we have to do it based on how things have slid around here. Um, if, if anything, we're just taking him away from somebody else's roster. But yeah, let's do it. That, people don't want quarterbacks it would appear here um i don't really want three quarterbacks and it's not something we would normally do but we're lining them up sean we are obviously a second pick to go here we are in a situation where at this point we just have the two running backs do you see anyone standing out for you as the a clear running back selection isaiah speller somebody who's there um but obviously it's only michelle now in town who who would be standing out for you on this particular pick in the 16th round
2: you just would still kind of like to get all of these guys later but mm. But stashing Spiller here, I think, is an option. I do think that going with David Bell or Trey McBride, you know, you're know, you going to end up very light on running back. But in a managed league, it's fine. It's very, very different than being in that best ball format where you need to manage your positional allocation. Going to the four tight ends with McBride, and again, seeing who actually blows up, that would be another option for me.
1: Yeah, I think it probably makes sense though to go, just on ADP values here, it makes sense to go with Spiller because we are going to have... Um, a couple more selections here. We obviously need to get a kicker and a running back, but there, at that point, there was nobody clearly standing out. And I know we want to get some of the guys that you mentioned, Sean, but McBride is somebody who really stands out for me when maybe you want to add that third tight end or you, you need to get that depth before we are. I am willing to risk it a little bit in this particular draft. And again, similarly with what we've built out at wide receiver, I really would love to get david bell on this roster but i'm willing to see if we can skip it around here for for two more picks i'm flabbergasted sean the way that this draft has played out in the early rounds for uh quarterback and then how it has played out since basically we we did see josh allen go in the second round justin herbert went in the fourth round then we had a kind of a little bit of a delay on quarterback in the seventh round we had Hurts, Jackson, and Murray go off the board in the eighth round. Then we had Russell Wilson. We had Joe Burrow. The draft right of 11 is taken two quarterbacks and Russell Wilson and Trey Lance back-to-back. The drafter right in nine took Derek Carr and Matthew Stafford within three rounds of each other. But really, when we look at it, like it has fallen very, very far for a quarterback in this in this particular draft. So I'm quite... The one thing, Sean, if we can pick the right quarterback to start, we shouldn't have any quarterback issues this year.
2: No, and I, I would encourage listeners to think about their positional allocations in a redraft from the perspective of getting to see some of the games and getting to make better and further decisions from that. Obviously at the time this podcast released, you wouldn't expect too many people to be doing significantly more drafts. Although one of the reasons that we're putting this together is because there are FFPC drafts going Friday, Saturday, you know, late into the evening Saturday there are some other formats out there that are trying to fill drafts on Friday and Saturday. So you, you have some options. And once you get that taste of the Thursday night game, you know definitely you want to get out there and add more teams. But the same idea carries over into waivers, especially week one waivers. And uh, you think about which articles get the most views, which pieces get the most traction, which pieces people are desperate for after week one and then to a lesser extent that first month of the season people always want to know well who should i pick up and how much should i spend and partly that's going to depend on what you need right one of the reasons we draft running back light is because that's the position that gives you the best options after week one week two and then throughout the course of the season as you get into the bye weeks and players more and more players get hurt But the flip side of it is that you want to build out some of your teams and some of these onesie positions with more guys than maybe that you'll need. Just so many teams are stashing so many running backs that it, it doesn't necessarily make sense. It doesn't give you the total point value that you need. And it also doesn't create the upside options in your starting lineup when you're trying to think about how do we maximize the points that actually count in the standings? Because the reason that you would take three quarterbacks would be to see, well, which guy is going to be the star? The reason that, you know, you wouldn't necessarily take Kirk Cousins, you wouldn't necessarily take Jameis Winston, is that those guys are not going to factor into your starting lineup unless they really hit a 95th percentile outcome or your team is bad at quarterback, right? So we're, we're trying to draft from the pool of players that they could make a difference in the starting lineup, that they could win leagues for you, It's a humility-based approach. We don't know for sure if Gerald Everett or Noah Fant is going to be the guy. That's why you would take both of them. It's why we would consider Trey McBride to add on to this team. Simply putting a bunch of running backs who don't currently have a role onto your roster is a waste of the chance to see guys play in weeks one and two and find out who the stars are. Maybe that leads eventually to... A cut that's hard because maybe multiple guys break out there. Maybe you don't ever actually want to get rid of Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers, but it does give you the best chance to put together a league winning team. Just accumulating a bunch of bench points and to be able to say that you have running back bodies, how does that help you accomplish your objectives? That's the question you should be asking.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate
1: Yeah, and I, I do think there be a little bit of a panic here in week one. Like I think people are drafting running backs that way still. And this draft has been interesting. Because there's a few teams that are drafting what I think are very, very good teams. But there's other teams who are clutching at the running back position. And it's almost like they know the running backs are going to get injured. So they need more running backs to make sure that they have running backs to start when the running backs are injured, rather than how is this going to really supercharge this roster. So speaking of running backs, Sean, we have three. Um, I did joke with you when we were talking about a pick about, you know, you said we could probably look about getting a running back. I said, we already have two running backs. Why would we need any more? So we, Those I'm, are the pretty, yeah, I'm pretty confident. Week one, we have our starting allocation anyway in Saquon Barkley and Rashad Penny. Speller is a longer term project, to be honest, Sean. Sonny Michel is where I'm heavily invested now in that backfield. So uh, he goes around ahead. But Isaiah Speller, I think there's still a lot of potential there but we are going to need to do that. We have four selections left. We're going to need to get a kicker, a defense, and then we have two options. Who knows? Maybe we'll draft Ronald Jones again. Who are, you know, we talked about, well, I was just about to say David Bell. David Bell did go off the board at the 1701, but I was going to say if somebody like Bell came back to us, we have talked about needing running backs a little bit more here, and we have really loaded up on the wide receiver position. Would you luck to go with, just a four running back build here if there was the right wide receiver now that bell has gone there probably isn't the right wide receiver but would that be something to be willing to do walk away from this draft with with three running backs four running backs Sorry.
2: sure i drafted a, a main event team with only three running backs two of whom are injured and so to ha- already have
1: you have one running back at least you've one.
2: yeah yeah i mean you get to start one in week one no there is another waiver run or at least that's my understanding well We'll see. You always feel like you know the rules and then when the rules play out the way that you are expecting, there is that sigh of relief. Yeah, the the late rounds are about stashing players that you want to see in week one. They're not about filling out your positions. And so Ronald Jones, somebody I want to have on those rosters, even though I expect him to be inactive because you could be wrong. And also the unfortunate part is that a chief's back could be injured or they could look bad and then even if he's inactive his stock rises so there are really quite a few paths that jones has outside of getting outright cut which we have watched as running backs originally made teams and were eventually cut we know the teams are continue going to continue have to address their roster as the season goes along he's not a lock to stick with the chiefs i don't believe but samash ap ryan damian williams trey mcbride ronald jones i would love it if harrison butker made it to the turn here just get that big time kicker and not have to worry about it for a while we could even look at the defensive position as well at this turn and push the last two picks to the 1920th turn it may seem like a little bit of a silly distinction at the end of drafts but one tiny little silver lining of having the 112 is that you get the first pick in the 20th instead of the last pick but that also <laughs> does make it easier to fill out your defense without having to do it at the 17-18 turn
1: yeah i'm going ag- i'm in agreement with that so we are five picks away but i do think you know we have been kind of adding in some wrinkles to this draft but i do think then when we get to this point people maybe get bored at this point or maybe they don't think it matters but defense or sorry uh, draft strategy and how you make those selections is, is really vital and there's nobody you can hear better talk through that than Sean in terms of you know the picks that we are looking at here are more likely to be 19th and 20th round picks so sometimes you'll want to move your defense and kicker to those selections if you have a lot of options here but the options we have are probably ones that are not Uh, are are probably still going to be there when we get to that point and that's me saying now that they they probably won't when we say that Booker still continues to be on the board though three more people to draft before it gets to us but it does feed sean like this is a zone where uh, defense and kicker would be the priority option here like if we're if we're looking for early season potential points of some sort of running back mike davis is there but that's never really going to get us overly excited dontrell hilliard is there for the titans as well but uh, yeah, it feels to me like a, a kicker in defense zone here. You talked about Booker. Daniel Carson is there for Las Vegas as well as an option. Matt Gay would be there. A lot of interesting then defenses. I'm quite high on the, the Green Bay Packers defense, but Denver is there. Not really pushed on New Orleans either, but between Denver and, and Green Bay or Baltimore, have you any preferences that you're, you're drafting at, at uh, defense or, or how are you playing it normally?
2: Denver and Baltimore are two defenses that you really like to see because they have both the overall defensive ability and they've got great week one matchups.
1: You'll also stream defense as well, but the Packers have a week 14 by, so if they do get off to a good start and they are a solid, it's always nice uh, benefit as well. Still waiting, Sean, though. Harrison Buck are still in play here.
2: Yeah, I I think the other position that I would be interested in taking, again, because it's not a matter of positional allocation. You want to see these guys. I think that getting a, a look at Trey McBride probably makes sense. I don't think that he'll come back to us. I don't think he should have fallen to this point. We have a situation where we both have three tight ends, and we have Kyle Pitts as the superstar so it's not a need but if you go if you fast forward to the end of week one and say you guys are wrong on gerald everett and you're wrong on noah fan both of those things are very possible and you want to keep that in mind when you're making the next pick now you're probably not going to cut them after one week although if they put up an alan robinson then you so have to at least consider them, right? it <laughs> well it just it did pop into my head as the easiest way to explain that uh the arizona cardinals it looks like rondell moore will be out at least as we're recording this we know that deandre hopkins is out zach Ertz seems limited and aj green is he going to be the engine for this cardinals offense it it might be a case where marquise brown at the three four turn was really the guy that we should have considered more strongly it's tough because I have a lot of Rondell Moore. I don't have a ton of Marquise Brown, even though I've expected him to have a good season. You know, just flipping that at the end and have like just the one team that you're right on can be a little bit emotionally difficult from time to time. I think that Bucker and McBride are the picks, but I am okay going with the defense if you
1: have a defense you prefer. Let's go with Bucker anyway, and then we'll we'll talk about it. So I don't really have any problem taking Trey McBride. Um, you know in terms of my he, he's my third highest draft tight end this will take him to number two after this particular one the other ones are that no is the top one so i'm, I'm not going to catch no Fant. this will be my final draft before the season does kick off so i'm not against mcbride but i'm it is a case what you said about tight end could be very much true i'm willing to i'm willing to defer to you here as to which one you want to go I, I think we'll have options at defense if we want to go that way. It probably leads us to a running back and a, a defense to finish off.
2: Yeah, so maybe the dream scenario would be Rojo and the Cincinnati Bengals at the 19-20 turn.
1: Just so I... Uh, Sean, Sean does this where he knows the players that I have drafted most often this year, and then he just like pitches those names out and knows that I can't say no. I did joke with this on a recent draft where I said that I need people who will stop me from drafting the players that i only want to draft so we'll we'll take rojo well you
2: encouraged us to reach for both gerald everett and Fant. so i know that you wanted to take both of those guys again do you have any any regrets on any of those picks you look at the running backs that we missed on because of the gerald everett pick in 11 12 the next Four backs were JD McKissick, Khalil Herbert, James Robinson, and Brian Robinson. Those those players could work, but they are clear backups with somewhat narrow paths to success. Robinson, not a clear backup, but someone where his health is a bigger sort of real life element for him right now than football. But it sounds like he's recovering great. I can definitely understand stashing him in round. 13 even though he's recovering extremely well from just a general perspective we don't know what that really means for a football perspective but if he's the Washington starter over the second half of the season and you can keep him to that point which could be a little bit tricky one of the difficult decisions in all of these drafts is where do you take Jameson Williams he goes in the middle of 15 here if we hadn't selected Noah Fant then he would have been someone to consider if he had made it to the 1512 he would have been someone to consider instead of Justin Fields and Isaiah Spiller the issue there is that you don't get to see him in week one and two you're simply hoping for the long term by taking Fant at the 1401 the running backs we lose out on James Cook, Tyler Algier, Jalen Warren, Mark Ingram, Amir Abdullah. Abdullah was the guy we were kind of looking at James Cook could still be a very interesting player down the stretch of the season in many ways tyler algier the player who goes one pick after him is looking at a similar dynamic right from the beginning where that week one backfield is expected to be Cordero patterson a player who went at the 812 and damian williams a back who has not been selected yet and often Either goes undrafted or gets to the very edge of the draft. But Algier are someone that we've been stashing for kind of the big picture. And for the three-down workload that I believe he could have. Tyler Bass, Matt Gay, both of those players go. They did not score a ton of points in week one, which makes them perhaps difficult selections. The Buffalo defense, which <laughs> had its own little personal avalanche, went very very early in this draft maybe a questionable pick at the same time we're overconfident on so many players if you can put a big defensive score into week one have those points win in week one i think you have to at least be open-minded to the possibility that that would work
1: just a little listeners and sean that was the mid-ninth round when you said they went quite early
2: it was the mid-ninth round yeah
1: but the thing, the thing is, for people listening, obviously the, the teams who have played, you can slot them in. But Buffalo is a defense where I like when offenses score a lot of points and then the opposite offense is to try and come back. You mentioned earlier about the possibility with the uh, Cowboys and Tampa Bay game this weekend with potential like sacks and strip fumbles and things like that. But that's where you see that happening. And Buffalo could be a really good defense this year, but in that ninth round is is a little bit hard to to go with. Sean you asked if I had any kind of regrets of the picks I don't really have any regrets based on what we did like you mentioned the players that went after Everett the player I would have been thinking I was hoping would get back would be Jarek McKinnon the other one was KJ Hamler both of them go shortly before it does come back does the picks though where we take Everett the players I would have really been interested in there was Kenneth Gainwell and Eno Benjamin who went three picks and one pick before the Everett pick so kind of the zone of the draft where we took Everett, there wasn't a huge amount of other players that went off in that mid-range that I would have rather to take over him. It was the players that went ahead of him I would rather to get. Similarly then, when we take Aaron Rodgers and Noah Fant, when we look through there, a lot of the options again, um, Amir Abdullah possibly would be the one I would be picking out of that zone. Sonny Michel, who I mentioned, is there as well, being a nice second running back option. But they're players, again, that you're hoping that gets to you at that Justin Fields pick. So I think if I went back and did it again, I would still play it the same way. Would you change the second pick where we've missed out on Abdullah and Sony Michelle in that kind of range?
2: Yeah, because the tight end values that we were able to get later neutralized the need for Everett ahead of ADP. And having Everett neutralized the need for... Fan where we selected him but again i think it will work out fine i'm interested to hear you mention sonny michelle a couple times the dolphins seem to make a pretty clear statement that they think that he's washed up he had that great finish to last season i thought he was going to be better within the scope of that dolphins offense that apparently wasn't the case sometimes it's just not a great fit maybe he can be the guy there with the chargers obviously he's not old it's simply a matter of was he ever really the player that teams had wanted him to be? Colin, who are your favorite sleepers? We're in the second half of the show. We're at late in the draft. This is prime sleeper time period. When we draft here, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, we're obviously taking some stands on sleepers. Who are some other guys that you're not just wanting to see in week one, but you're expecting something from?
1: So when we get into this, so, on, so I'm fortunate at the minute, Sean, a lot of the players outside of Ronald well, Joffin in this range have started to move up. I don't know if we can call Trey McBride a sleeper, but he is somebody that I have consistently drafted since the beginning of draft season. And looking here, as I mentioned before, when I was, how much I have on the FFPC website. Prior to this, I'm at 30.5% in terms of drafting. And uh, obviously I've taken him here again, so that's going to bump it up a little bit. He's probably one of the late round guys. Greg Dulcich isn't going to do anything in week one, but I've been targeting those rookie tight ends, which isn't something that I would have tended to do as much in the past. So they are in there. I'm just trying to look down here through the list of players that I'm relying on, I guess I'll say, that I really want to see. Somebody else I was drafting a lot at running back is Chris Evans, who it hasn't really worked out. I don't think we're going to see a huge amount from him in week one, but I'm hoping that that may come across the season. Eno Benjamin is probably though. Eno Benjamin, Sonny Michelle, and... uh ronald jones but if ronald jones is an active that means we're not going to see much either sean so i'm hoping that some of those guys that i've drafted a lot of will have some sparks over the first couple of weeks we are back on the clock ronald jones is there defenses are there ty chandler is there but he may be somebody to look at the next round we have to take a defense so do you want to take a defense at this spot or do you want to well we have to take we only have two picks left sorry uh ronald jones is he somebody that you want to draft or that you want to not draft
2: well, I've been stocking up on Jones now that he made the Chiefs and stayed in the 20th round. Again, you're not really expecting that to pan out, but at the 20th round, he's a good player to look at. If he were to jump out and be the Chiefs version of Zach Moss, Ronald Jones is actually talented. I mean, he can make a big play. He can <laughs> run faster than than we can. I mean, Zach Moss obviously can run much faster than we can as well, but... Ronald Jones is faster than Zach Moss, so that does help you a little bit. That offense could be more favorable to the running back position, too, than the Bills are. The big sleeper I have here is Ty Chandler. I think that he's going to be the backup in Minnesota. The problem is just that when you have Dalvin Cook ahead of you, being the backup in and of itself doesn't necessarily mean that much, and so I think that we should go Jones, but Ty Chandler is somebody I can't wait to see when he gets his first real NFL snaps.
1: Yeah, I'll go with that. I, I would like to see chandler um go undrafted now that's the goal here is when we don't take him that he goes undrafted and then we can prioritize him on waivers at, at some point here um so hopefully he'll slide through i guess sean he's not a sleeper but i have continued to draft him at certain points and that is take on Thornton. we're not not in managed at the moment but in best ball, i continue to add him in a little bit we're not going to get him for the start of the season but i would love to see flashes from him at some point later i know he was somebody you were talking quite a bit about at the start of draft season as well but when it gets to sleepers i think they're the guys that you've already touched on the likes of a david bell but this is the running back zone for me a lot of the time and uh that running back zone is is led by ronald jones and sony michelle so if sony michelle's washed up and ronald jones is washed up my teams are going to be pretty washed up this year so we'll <laughs> hope they'll no, be still okay Have
2: plenty of other exposures and lots of good players onto your team there. Colin, just a recap for anyone wanting to get an early sense of the community's reaction to that Bills-Rams headliner on Thursday night, Cooper Cup goes 103. Stefan Diggs goes 108. Gabe Davis still last of the 311. That was sadly one pick away from our spot. Allen Robinson goes 606. Daryl Henderson, 711. Devin Singletary, 902. Then we get into the double digit rounds, and you have, well, we, we mentioned the Buffalo defense goes very early, 905. Isaiah McKenzie, very trendy player, was not heavily involved in week one. He drops to 1210, but I would have actually thought he would go below players like Wondell Robinson, KJ Hamler, Jarvis Landry after that game. He ends up being sort of toward the end of a tier. Russell Gage, 1504. We're still not completely clear on Gage's health, but he would appear to have a much bigger role in the Buccaneers' offense than McKenzie is likely to have in the Bills' offense. James Cook slides to 14.06. Zach Moss rises to 17.06. And Cam Akers plummets to the 11.01. I thought he might fall farther than that. Akers is someone I would really love to get a share or two here before the season starts, but it'll have to be below the 11.01.
1: Sean, as we get ready, we are kind of finished up my watch at the moment is to see if Ty Chandler makes it through these last couple of picks. Most teams here need kickers. Um, so I'm hoping that that's the way that it plays out here. Running through the team, though, we have running backs of Saquon Barkley, Rashad Penny, Isaiah Spiller, Ronald Jones, tight ends of Kyle Pitts, Gerald Everett, Noah Fant, trey McBride, loaded up on quarterbacks. We have Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Justin Fields. So after the 10th round, Sean, we didn't draft a wide receiver in this draft, but we do come away with Jalen Waddle, Rashad Bateman, Elijah Moore, Devontae Smith, Traylon Borks, Skymore, and Romeo Dobbs. How are you feeling about the roster? It's a little bit of a different construction than that we would normally have, but I think it's uh, interesting And sometimes when you're drafting out of the 12th slot, you have to do some different things to try and give yourself some advantages in other ways.
2: Yeah, I like the team we we don't tend to draft teams that we don't like i would have preferred to add a couple more late shots at wide receiver the guys i'm really looking for there are kj hamler Jameson williams david bell none of them lasted to the right spot for us based on what we like to do wandell robinson sort of the other member of that late round quartet i like getting the three qbs late Really, what you're just desperately trying to do is maximize the value of those first 10 picks. I felt like by waiting at QB, we were able to do that. In a perfect world, you'd be able to draft Saquon Barkley, Rashad Penny, and then add three or four very high upside running backs. But the draft didn't fall that way, and we chose not to chase it. You mentioned Eno Benjamin as one of your sleepers. He has an ADP of 1311, which considering how many running backs they kept and the fact that they liked those other guys too. I think that 1311 is actually a little bit aggressive. He's one of my five highest rostered players overall, but the price on almost all of those shares is 17, 18 rounds. It took forever for the fantasy community to warm up on him, but once they did, he really shot up in the last 10 days. He goes at 1111. I, uh, that's right after Isaiah Pacheco and Kenneth Gainwell. I mean, is he a, a pretty similar pick or maybe a better pick than Pacheco? I think you could argue that he probably has an easier path to being the clear back in Arizona. If Clyde Edwards Lair is out of the equation in Kansas City, McKinnon and Jones probably still factor in. If James Connor is out in Arizona, Eno could be the main guy. You'd expect Williams to come in for a few passes. They do like Jonathan Ward and Keontae Ingram. But Eno might be the guy. So maybe he's a, a better pick than Pacheco. But it's, it's just tough to pay that price, especially when Jarrett McKinnon is there a little bit later. The thing that happens in the last week before the season is that the running back prices become much, much tighter and that can be good or bad for you you make fewer mistakes you have fewer completely wasted roster spots and yet you no longer are able to really fill up in 13 14 15 16 with guys that you actually are pretty confident are going to play right even between when the zero rb watch list comes out and the beginning of the season you see almost all of those guys jump and in many cases significantly it's one of the reasons that I do like drafting across this entire final month before the season. There are different advantages and disadvantages, different trade-offs at each point in time.
1: Yeah, I think you put that very, very well. And the other point, Sean, you'll be happy to hear the the watch here on Ty Chandler. He did go undrafted. So he's going to be potentially a, a priority add for us here in the early season. The other thing is there's a couple of other running backs that have not gone drafted as well that um, – if things pop in week one, and obviously you'll have Sean heading into week two with giving you the the end of, all of that, we'll be back with more podcasts, but he'll obviously be posting it up on rotaviz.com, and want to see who those guys are to add into the roster. Even the likes of Dearness Johnson, who we have drafted quite a bit in those baseball ball leagues, guys like that are on things could break in certain ways for them. If you are signed up to rotaviz.com... Uh, add the radio 2022 at checkout save yourself 10% while signing up and uh, I don't think you'll regret it this time of the year as well the, the GLSP app and the tools up on the website along with the articles will help you set those lineups each and every week I'm Kelly you can follow me on Twitter add over to Martin as always I'm joined by Sean Siegel check out all of his work up on rotavis.com and until we're back with another show have a good one Thank you for listening to Overtime on RotoViz Radio. Please rate and review the RotoViz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favourite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at rotovizradio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to RotoViz with a discount through the RotoViz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast.